Welcome to the Gem of All Mechanisms podcast. My name is Brian Runciman. Uh, the idea of our BCS podcast is to speak to people that are genuinely making uh, positive inroads in society through technological means. And today, it's really nice to be able to speak to Matthew Bellringer. Hello, Matthew. Hello there. Hi, thank you for having me on the show. No, no problem at all. Uh, maybe you could give me a quick quick introduction as to, well, how we got together and, and, and what it is you're doing at the moment, and then we can carry on with our convo. So yeah, absolutely. So uh, the reason we're we're having this conversation is because I am uh, the chair of the new neurodiverse IT uh, specialist group for um, for neurodivergent IT professionals within BCS, and um, it was an interesting coincidence that the, the group got set up. I should say I, I I'm very fortunate to be the first chair, but it wasn't entirely me that started it. I uh, me and uh, uh, and my colleague in the group happened to uh, basically come up with the idea at the same time and apply independently and then got together, which is rather lovely. Um, And I think it's really important, partly because um, neurodivergent people have had made a very significant contribution to the history of IT and have also traditionally actually found a home in IT, uh, more of a home in IT that perhaps they wouldn't have had in other professions. Mm. It's been quite good home, but there is still work to do, and um, some uh, and uh, there's more that neurodivergent people can offer. So yeah, so so my work really with the with chairing the group is is, is specifically around yeah, building that capacity, helping people, um, helping neurodivergent people really do the best that they can in IT, and really helping IT as a profession benefit from their really unique talents. That, uh, that neurodivergent people have. Um, it relates to the rest of my work because I work fun- fundamentally. I, I, I'm a I'm an innovation guide. I work with really pathfinding new innovation uh, and building the capacity to do that. Uh, and very often that means thinking different. And that tends to mean working with people who have unconventional ways of seeing the world. And that also means neurodivergent people. I'm also professionally a neurodiversity advocate and I'm neurodivergent myself. Okay. So, um, yeah, so that's basically. In a nutshell, this is where we start. Excellent. Good. Now, there's a few things I'm going to pursue there with you, Matthew, obviously. First of all, are you happy to talk about a a little bit about your personal Hmm. neurodivergence? Yeah, absolutely. So um, when I was a child, I was diagnosed with dyslexia. I've always been interested in um, psychology and actually as an adult, I studied psychology. I also uh, studied the experiences of various neurodivergent people uh, as part of my my degree. And I realised that my experiences weren't that necessarily the same as other people's with dyslexia. And more recently, I had a diagnosis of ADHD, which does fit rather better. Okay. And explains rather more. So, so I have both of those conditions. Like a lot of people, neurodivergent people often find that they they have multiple neurodivergent conditions. It's very common. Um, but uh, but for me, the kind of yeah, having having the adult diagnosis of ADHD is an interesting one. And it, it's in many ways, I kind of it explains a lot, and it's quite a helpful validation. But the more I just let myself really play to my strengths the more it was just it kind of explains where those strengths come from too and i think that that's for me that's a really important part of the work in general is yes there are difficulties and very very obvious and clear difficulties about being neurodivergent it does make things much much harder 
but there are also benefits and in quite a lot of situations we don't get to really experience the benefits we just get to deal with the difficulties it's like paying the cost without getting the you know without getting what you paid for almost mm. um and for me I'm, I'm really really interested in in that and and in developing my own understanding of myself and the condition as well i think it's a different thing to work in this space and to identify as neurodivergent yourself and it's actually really important to me that that we are starting to surface the voices of people who it's really you know who this stuff is about yeah. um who are also studied experts yeah. and that is quite a challenging position for some of the existing ways of thinking about these things you know it's it's uh, so um, but but that that is something that i think is really important and is actually one of the key founding principles of, of the group that we, we put together you know nothing about us without us and i think that's that's fundamentally important for any group um that finds itself marginalized to some extent mm. you know when when other it's it's all very well other people talking about us and telling us how we experience the world but actually the interesting <laughs> thing is uh, is our perspective and surfacing that in a way that works for others too. Uh, but let me ask you a sort of philosophical question then. I mean, we're only a few minutes in, but I'm going to get straight into the deep bits here. <laughs> you called it a condition uh, yourself just when you were referring to neurodiversity there. Is that part of the problem that we, we've we've kind of medicalised something that is just actually another another aspect of human existence? I, I that that is that is one way of seeing the concept of neurodiversity as a concept. You know, it argues that we have this range of different ways of being and they're all valid and completely uh, legitimate. And I, I agree, um, though it is really important, again, to stress that that does not mean that being a member of certain neuro minorities doesn't make your life extremely difficult. Right, right. Um, quite often that's essentially a design question. It's it's because the the world around you is just not designed for you in the same way as it is for someone who is more conventional in how they they experience the world and how their their, their brain works. Uh, but it is nonetheless a valid and legitimate way of experiencing the world. And and so yeah, for me, diagnosis is 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 helpful as well for many people, and so are some of the support tools um medication and uh the interventions available they are they can be useful tools but i think it's very important for me personally to understand all of that as support so we can do more of whatever we want to do rather than fixing us you're obviously well versed in tech hence you're in bcs mm -hmm. and being a chair of a group is a, is a great thing as well uh, so what's tech done has it added another another layer of awkwardness or is it also partly the answer because there's some there's some contradictory requirements sometimes aren't there because of course as you know we publish a magazine right there, there are certain color combinations we shouldn't use and we, we try not to but then some of the alternatives are not helpful either so there's there's, there's often a difficult sort of balancing act isn't there there is and one of the one of the fundamental challenges to all of this is sometimes those needs are contradictory mm, yes <laughs> you know um high High contrast can help people with impaired vision, but can be too much for people with sensory sensitivities. Mm. So it's it, it, it's a very difficult um, balancing act. And, and, and to some degree, I think it is always a case of understanding that you can't be perfect. No, you can't really kind of, you know, you can't meet every single use case. 
which is you know is is as true of anything that we're trying to design um you know if you're if you're delivering a a service or, or you know in 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 technology you wouldn't it would be a disaster to try and meet every kind of use case you work out which ones you're trying to aim for be explicit and work with those yes. and for me actually how i ended up in uh in te- in it was through accessible technology when i was uh when i was first diagnosed with dyslexia it was suggested i got a computer and i got very well with it used it spelled you know i can suddenly i can write and i can, something helps me spell so it was it was very useful and and i just took to it so much that i ended up ending up essentially in the professions showing other people how to use technology and it went from there it can be a huge advantage and, and a very overlooked advantage in 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 the role of technology in, in accessibility i'm i'm very reliant on uh, digital scheduling tools, for example. You know, a mobile phone is an incredibly useful tool for someone who doesn't experience time in a linear way, um, and but who also needs to go to certain places at certain times. This whole kind of range of assistive technology is, is really helpful. And, and for me, I think one of the really interesting things is being neurodivergent is in many ways not that different to many of the things that other people experience it's often just having more of a thing and a cluster of things Mm. to the point at which there are qualitatively different experience but the other people also have some of the same challenges though not to the same degree right one of the things that that means is that people who are very sensitive to a problem are actually very well placed to work with it and resolve it because they can do that to a very fine degree and many of the you know what 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 might be called assistive technology that's developed by people with these needs actually then goes on to support a whole much wider range of um, different uses. So Dragon, naturally speaking, you know, voice recognition software mm. is a great example of of something that's that was was originally conceptualized as assistive software and has had a much much wider use. And I think there's a whole range of things, actually, that we have we have the possibility of offering and developing uh, as a profession to yeah. support that. That's really interesting. Um, and uh, yeah, just to go back back to things like Dragon, uh, all those sorts of things are a godsend for journalists, of course. Completely. <laughs> Automatic transcription. Brilliant. I'm watching it now as we're talking. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I'd like to ask you about, um, you know, the specific niches where 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 you see the advantages. Now, the, the knee-jerk one would be, well, you know, we know that uh, people with certain types of autism are very good at concentrating on programming and seeing errors and, and being very mm. thorough uh, with their work in that context. I wonder if the implication of what you're saying there as well is that we should really get people with neurodiverse conditions a little bit more involved in the accessibility issues and testing as well. Is that happening? I, I would say that for me is if you have in your user group people of any type at all any 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 notable with any notable qualities they should be represented in the development too regardless of whether we're talking about neurodiversity or whether we're talking about um people of different um ethnic backgrounds or cultural backgrounds or um, men and women or, you know, old people and young people, whatever it is, there's something fundamental about that experience that you kind of build into the development process. Yes, 
neurodivergent people should be represented for any tool that is um, that, that is intended for their use. And if it's specifically for their use, it should definitely they should definitely be very highly represented. One of the challenges that a lot of people in in uh, minority groups face is these solutions designed by people that don't actually have the problem and don't really understand how it is a problem. And having worked with assistive software for a long time, I'm sorry to say that some of the things that are quite widely offered do fall into that category. It's definitely the case. And, and it's it's also the case that there are insights that, that that perspective can offer and ways of approaching a problem that are fundamentally different. And that's part of the value that's offered as well, that, that different way of seeing things and a different way of solving a problem. Yeah. is a really important part of this. And, and without being represented in the whole design, testing, development process, that's not really going to happen. Do you think it's important to call out? I mean, obviously, uh, I got your wry smile when you were talking about the fact that some of the tools have clearly not been designed for people that actually need to use them. Um, do you um, do you feel it's worth calling those things out or is it is life too short and you just get on with trying to do some more positive solutions yourself? It's absolutely fine for people to try something and not succeed and to be willing to learn. And I'm, I'm completely happy with that. My difficulty becomes when it displaces better solutions. So I'm completely happy for people to try something out and develop. But if 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 it is claimed that it is helpful, I want to see good evidence, including evidence directly reported by people themselves who for whom it's intended. Mm. that it is rather than something that looks like it helps but doesn't which is one of the challenges that a a lot of neurodivergent people face is they can be very they can learn that it's not really safe to seek help and seek support because when when we ask for help we're given a solution that works for someone else but doesn't Mm. necessarily work for us and then we get in trouble for not using it that particular setup can be kind of repeated in software solutions too Mm. and so where that is happening it's definitely worth calling out but it it's much more a case of really understanding what what the needs are and how that particular solution meets those needs rather than being able to say in abstract this is a problem or this isn't what are your aims with the group then, then Matthew? You know, um, this is this is part of what BCS is here for, isn't mm. it? Our little phrase is making IT good for society. You've got a very specific remit now. How do you see the group sort of um, operating in these areas? Yeah, absolutely. So for me, um, I'm really interested in co-design and co-development. There are there are unknown things here and exciting things to explore here, which is you know very much my what interests me personally. Mm. I, I uh, like uh, uh, many people with ADHD, I have the explorer trait. You know, I'm I'm more interested in new things and seeing what's emerging rather than things that are clear and fixed and established. Mm. So for me, a lot of this is about actually we can we we can find new understandings here. You know, we can find we can understand this in a different way. Um, we can really connect up uh, the value that neurodivergent people have to offer 
and partly allow them to give to experience that for themselves because it's not always it's not something that's necessarily given to people uh, in the way that it might be if you're more more of a conventional thinker you know you don't have those experiences and it can be very difficult to you know to, to establish to really understand what you do have to offer if you've never been in a situation where you've been allowed to offer it and so creating that situation is something I'm very keen to do, um, really to work with organisations and to work with and connect up what's going on across the whole kind of area of all of this and all of the intersections that this work has. And to give to surface really success stories and what has worked for people. Mm. I don't believe in best practice in this space because it's also contextual and specific, but it can be mm. extremely helpful to identify what has worked for other people and to share experiences and to, you know, there's something deeply validating in just finding out other people are experiencing something in the same way as you are finding difficulty in the same way as you and that they've got different skills and strengths and they, they can, you know, add their own way of working with that problem and that you can use those too so that's the other side of the work really getting together and surfacing this and finally you know highlighting that this is this value this work is a value beyond just neurodivergent people mm. that this has value for everyone this has value for all society we're not doing it just to make our own lives better and that for me is is the final kind of part of it Although that's fine for motivation, right? That's okay, isn't it? To make your own life better as well. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> it's fine as well, but I think it's a really important message that it's not just that. No. Okay. And, and it, the, the, the two are very closely related, really. The two are almost inseparable. But sure. it, it's really important for me to note that this isn't, you know, it can be difficult because it can fall into the this idea of kind of pity or, or right. you know, um, and the the that it's essentially it, it becomes this this idea that we're not you know we don't have something to offer and for me it's that there is real value that you're being patronized almost rather than anything else yeah yeah the, the, and and that's the attempt yeah. within the group to surface um because we do yeah uh, and that's 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 not a message that's actually you know really as out there as i would like it to be yet okay I mean, correct me if I'm wrong on this then, but maybe this is a generalisation, but it seems to me that perhaps one thing that is quite difficult for neurodiverse people is uh, to advocate for themselves because of the nature of some of those um, situations. So your group actually would seem to be doing a, a huge service there. Would that be a right way of putting that? Yeah, so the, the role in self-advocacy is, is, a, is a huge one. And I think that's um, it, it's a very important part of the work in general. And we all have different roles to play in that. I'm the way my particular, you know, development path has gone. I can use words in ways that work for others as well. You know, right. um, I can kind of connect on that level. But there are all sorts of different tools and skills that people have that they can use for for their own demonstrating that value and offering that value. So yes, completely, collectively and individually, it's an exercise of self-advocacy. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. That's really interesting. I, I was interviewing, um, uh, the last episode of this podcast was an interview with Jacqueline de Rojas, uh, who's the president of uh, Tech UK, and she mentioned neurodiversity and she called it a superpower. Mm. 
Is it, would that be your take? <laughs> in the right circumstances, yes. <laughs> But yes. only in the right. So it can be it can be I don't know what the opposite of a superpower is, but it can be the opposite of a superpower in the wrong circumstances. Right. And a lot of the work is just to get to the situation where it's, you know, uh, you know, when, when I'm thinking about organisations, one of the things that I would also like to do with the, uh, you know, use the group is, is really how to get the best out of neurodivergent people. Yeah. You know, how how to yeah. get out the way and support them in delivering the unique value that they have to offer. And some organisations are more advanced in that than others. And I would really like to and, and I accept it's hard. You know, this is these aren't necessarily straightforward things. There's all sorts of experimentation, judgment, developing, you know, um, you can't just follow a simple recipe and say, OK, this is this is fine now. So there's work to be done there and get capabilities to be built within organisations to to get the best out of, you know, create a situation where people can do their best. Yes. And so for me, that is another big aspect and how we develop this as a, you know, as a really as a as a, a source of knowledge that, that people can rely upon, you know, that organisations can tap into as well in terms of, well, how can I get the best out of the neurodivergent people that are already present? Because they almost certainly are. <laughs> yeah. OK. What, what good examples do you see in operation? There are, there are actually quite a lot of very good point solutions for specific needs. I think voice recognition is is one of the primary ones and has all sorts of, of use cases. What's interesting is I tend to use the, the majority of my tools aren't specifically adapted software or adapted. They tend to be things that other people use too. Um, I just use them in slightly different ways and rely on them slightly more. For me, what makes any tool good is some adaptability within the tool. I think it's really important to understand that we're unlikely to be able to fit a use case specifically, entirely specifically, and actually allowing users to design and make up their own decisions at the edges is a really important part of developing these tools. And the other part of that is interoperability. And yeah. the really good tools all have the ability to connect stuff up with the other tools. One of the things that I find most frustrating is when something is really good at solving a problem, but it doesn't matter because it does so in a silo and there's no way of getting anything out or in without right. lots of very repetitive, you know, um, difficult, lossy work, which I just don't do. Um, so that's so, so for me, there's there, there's those specific needs. So, yeah. So I don't know if I directly answered the question, but that's all. No, no, that's fine. Uh, is, is, is that is the implication of that that we should be doing more open source type um, work? I. I, I personally prefer open source work, not for the kind of uh, broader political reasons, though I largely agree with those as well. But um, but because on a practical level, those the, the development approach tends to be more collegiate and more open and more mm. extensible mm. just by its nature. Um, you know, if I. It, it, if a piece of software is closed source and commercial, then if it's really extensible and open, you know, it's open in terms of how I can work with it, then 
I'm 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 pretty comfortable with that too. Uh, that said, obviously, again, it's a it is slightly difficult to to do that line. There's a, there's a mindset sh- shift around this, mm. but um, yeah, I I, I it, it entirely depends on the the needs and the use case. For me, I prefer to work with open source solutions where they're available for a huge number of different reasons, and one of one of the significant ones is their adaptability. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's interesting. One, one question I like to ask everybody that I uh, talk to, Matthew, is who their inspirations are, specifically in the tech industry, but maybe just in general in the sort of work you do. That's an interesting one. Sorry, I caught you off, I've caught you off guard there. <laughs> mm, I'm, I'm trying to think. Yeah, tech-related. Tech I mean, I, I, I usually resonate with the the outliers and the 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 people on the edge and, and Alan Turing is a cliche really to say but but I don't very much resonate with yeah. with with the experience and and regrettably with with you know there's there's a whole range of experiences related to to being different in Alan Turing's life story that that are tragic both on a personal level and because they represent a huge loss to wider society from an unmade contribution. Um, relatedly, um, not on the tragic side, but um, I very much admire my, uh, the physicist Richard Feynman. Okay, yes, lovely. Just in pics. Because, again, because of this ability to uh, to work at the edges and to 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 kind of be genuinely different. Otherwise, a lot of my inspiration comes from the kind of social justice side and the uh, the work around that um, I find very, very useful. So uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I also, uh, I, I use a lot of, uh, my work is informed by, um, by the philosopher Michel Foucault, for example, yeah. um, and, uh, which is a very interesting thing to combine with something as um, formally defined as technology. Mm, yeah. <laughs> but I enjoy the contradiction and I like I like what emerges in that space. So, yeah. OK, that's the first time we've had it mentioned. So that's uh, that's an interesting one. Thank you. Um, Matthew, it's been fascinating talking to you today. Uh, it's been a real eye opener. And also, um, I'm really interested to see how the group progresses and, and the mm. sort of things it does. Uh, so one thing to bear in mind, of course, is that as we produce a lot of articles and podcasts and things like this keep us posted when interesting stuff happens <laughs> gladly yes i very very much would do uh, yeah thank you it's uh, it's great and uh, thank you for giving us the chance to to talk a bit more about it today no problem at all is there anything else you'd like to add um a, a particular plea for members or or uh, what you like more of what you'd like to see if not don't worry but i'd just like to ask that question yeah so, so we're very much at the early stages of the group and we are still essentially defining exactly how we want to to go about everything and I, i'd be very grateful for really anyone who wants to contribute because there's a very high chance that we're going to be able to you know work with that in, in whatever way and i it, even my my ask would really be talk to us about it rather than assuming that because other places haven't wanted your contribution it won't be useful to us it's intended to be a space where we can actually support the, you know, the value of divergence. And, and I'm hopeful that we can, you know, that, that those contributions are really genuinely helpful to us. So 
in in whatever form that they take whether that's attending and contributing um or sharing you know your experience uh, and all of that or or contributing in a more formal way uh, that would be yeah whatever that is brilliant uh, matthew can i say thanks so much for speaking to us today oh thank you